Welcome to Boundaryless Leadership with Nozomi Morgan. My name is Doug Sandler. I'm a part of the production team over at Turnkey Podcast Productions. While Nozomi is traveling for the next few weeks, we put together some highlight episodes for you to enjoy. Let's get to the episode. Welcome to Boundaryless Leadership with Nozomi Morgan, the show where we explore leadership that transcends physical and psychological boundaries. Here's your host, Nozomi Morgan. Welcome to Boundaryless Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Nozomi Morgan. We explore the journey of executives, leaders, and professionals to learn how they have become a boundaryless leader. Today, I have another amazing, wonderful guest whom I'm extremely excited to hear her story and learn more about her. Our guest today is Suen Kapli. She is the head of HR for GE Edison Works. Suen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Nozomi. I am so honored and excited, and this is my first time, so it's a new experience for me. Oh, wonderful. I, um, I'm honored to be the first. <laughs> so you have a very interesting career. You know, currently you've been in HR for a while, but I also do know mm-hmm. that wasn't how you started your career. And now, you, you know, you are head of HR with a very global and very well-known company, you know, throughout the world with a lot of history and a lot going on in, 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 even in today. So I would love if you can share, how did you get to where you are today? And maybe also share what you do today and then yep. tell us about your leadership journey. Thanks, Lizomi. Yeah. So currently I'm part of GE Aerospace. We're in a transition, a huge transition at GE is splitting out and GERS and to be GERSpace will be a standalone company sometime next year. I am in HR and I've been in HR for the past 22 years or so. I've been in the company over 32 years and I am an engineer by background. So I feel very fortunate. I have always felt like anything's possible in this company. And I started off in GE Plastics on a leadership program. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Came in through a commercial program. And ultimately, as I was curious about what we did in plastics, I ended up doing environmental engineering in the chemical plant for the next 10 years, mostly based out of West Virginia. So we were headquartered in Massachusetts. And from there, I loved what I was doing, but I wanted to know more, more about the company and I wanted to have more opportunities. And I felt like doing what I was doing, it, it wouldn't necessarily kind of give me kind of the growth I was looking for. So ultimately, out of soul searching, so I believe approximately every 10 years, we reevaluate what we want to be when we grow up, which I was shocked. I thought I had figured it out. So I got interested in organizational behavior, which is theoretical based and based on people. And as I started to talk to HR, what do you do? Through many discussions, ultimately, I was interested in a cross-functional move, and I got some great advice. As much as you can start at ground zero when you do that, that enabled you to grow from there. So went to a sister site, started in HR and kind of supply chain manufacturing. And from there, I've been in headquarter locations. I've supported sites, global functions, P&Ls, went through a divestiture attempt, and then also ha- grew a ton as we supported our team 
through Hurricane Katrina. So we had the biggest kind of GE impact and things I never thought about as you think about disaster recovery and how do you help your people. And and it's all about, it starts with the basics. Um, from there, I went to GE Healthcare out in Utah with a business that had been shut down by the FDA. So it was this perfect storm, great business and out there for about five years. And then from there went to GE Transportation where we do locomotive engines based in Erie, Pennsylvania for the next six years, doing a couple of roles. And then my son started high school and I thought, well, you know, I I really want to think about what's next. And a year later is when I came to aviation, now aerospace, supporting our military business. And um, it's been quite a journey. So I feel very fortunate. Wow, that is quite a journey. And it's amazing to hear that you've, you've been working at GE for 32 years. That's that's a lifetime. Yeah, it's it's been a journey. And, you know, they say, you know, these days you'll have, you know, three careers easily in our working time. And I feel like I've definitely experienced part of that. Mm. So you mentioned, you know, soul searching every 10 years. So when was your latest soul searching that you've done? The last one, I guess. Well, Nozomi, it's interesting that you asked because yeah. certainly being at this part of my career, it's a uncharted territory of thinking of maybe the last part of my career. And um, I recently got some advice from a peer to read the book Strength to Strength by Arthur Brooks. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how professional decline is inevitable. And that's just crushing. And that so it's taken me a couple of reads to kind of get through it. And he talked about trying to find that second wave before you reach that decline. So trying to think about, you know, kind of what that means um, for me is kind of personally where I'm at. And then I would say to make another reference in Angela Duckworth's book, Brit, you know, of course, she talked about, you know, how do we how do you be successful? You know, just having just being talented isn't enough perseverance is two times more kind of meaningful. But what I picked up from her material is that our careers are this deepening of interest. And so part of maybe, you know, the soul searching in the last, you know, decade has been how to think about kind of brain science. I never thought about it before, to be honest. And so as I've discovered some material, it's really kind of why leverage it personally as well as apply it in the day job and it's an an objective way to think about intellectual diversity and ultimately how we behave or how we think shows up in terms of how we behave so that's been fascinating for me i love that you know and when you talked about intellectual diversity i mean that word itself Mm -hmm. you know wasn't something that i knew about like 10 years ago for example and when i first heard it i was like like, you know, wow, really, it really blew my mind just kind of thinking about like, oh, yeah, of course, there's diversity in a kind of traditional sense, the diversity that you can see that are that we start with typically because it's it's something you can notice very easily. But realizing there's intellectual diversity that, from my understanding, is that, you know, we're still trying to understand what that actually is. Like, like as, as a lot of diversity conversations go, we just keep on evolving and evolving and evolving. So what, to your point, like what you learn today or what you know today, tomorrow there might be a new study, new research, new, new, new thing that comes out that will just kind of keep on evolving. So, so fascinating. So I'm just really curious, and I think maybe this is more of my personal interest, but when you, when you, so those 10 year, you know, kind of cycle, 
these themes, is it something that you kind of set time and look around for? Or is it something that just kind of naturally evolves? For my experience, it's been more natural. And I think it kind of follows natural cycles. So if you think about the first 10 years, that's when big life changes are happening. So whether it's getting married, having kids, you know, moving around, it's like, does this still work? You know, kind of just does this align to your interests? And are you where you thought you would be? So I guess I also believe kind of the more aware we are, kind of the better choices we'll make. So and I also believe it's important to know what's important to you. Like, what are your top values and priorities? And that's part of the soul searching because it, I think it's a constant iteration and building upon kind of what you've learned. So as you think about those values and priorities, it's a constant assessment of is it still working, you know, because as you know, every decision we make, there's a trade-off. And I have found that as long as you know what's most important, you can live with the trade-offs. But if you don't know what's most important, that's where I've seen kind of folks really unhappy. And then once you get unhappy, you don't know if it's work, personal, and then it kind of blends together. So kind of knowing what your values and priorities are can help you stay true to yourself. And to me, then that flow of constantly assessing and doing that evaluation takes place. I, I love what you said about really the values and priorities. Is that something, especially with, you know, G having very like strong history of great leadership development and people development, is that something that you do right now? Uh, or or actually how, I guess a better question to ask would be like, how how do you help your employees to know their own values and also how do they and I think also another important thing is how do you how do they connect it their values or priorities with the work that they do and the company's mission and and vision like how do you navigate how is G navigating that right now well thanks for the question I guess I would say there's multiple ways certainly it can start with a career discussion whether it's your people leader, HR person, a mentor, or someone you trust. And as part of that, certainly it's kind of what are you doing now, but what are your interests and what's important to you? And I think today more than ever, I think we think about the big picture, not just from a work perspective, but family and, you know, personal interests as well as career interests. And I find that go- comes into the equation. And then I would say we also have then learning opportunities that then have the participant think about some of those elements. And it's not just about work. It's equally as important, kind of the personal interest, you know, physical interest, you know, just how does it all come together? So when you come to work, you're a whole being and you can then honor, you know, your strengths as well as work on the things that you want to work on. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to kind of change gears over here a little bit, kind of going back to your journey of you know, working in different areas of the company. And I guess from from an outsider, really successfully navigating through that. And that's what we really call like a boundaryless leader, you know, going in different, you know, different organizations and kind of, you know, really figuring out with different people, diverse people, especially in your field, like completely different, you know, so-called industries, right? Yeah. And, and areas of work. What do you think is the key to that success? I guess, in other words, how how did you successfully navigate through that? Or what are the learnings, wisdom that you take away from from your journey? As you can tell, I have many life lessons. Uh, <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> 
One of them is I look back, certainly it's easier to kind of look back and reflect is I never did what I thought I would do next. So I believe it's important to have a direction. And, you know, I know folks really don't like when we ask, you know, what, what do you want to be in five years, right? But it's more about direction and having some kind of goals so that you know if you're making progress or you know how to make the right connections. But I also believe it's important to be really flexible and open because when that knock comes at the door and it's not what you thought about, then rather than saying no, like how do you at least consider it? And I would say the many opportunities I've had, it was never a plan. Like, you know, my goal was to be in the company five years and then, you know, you know, get vested and move on. And the reality is I've had so many opportunities and don't be afraid of the hard job or don't be afraid to do what nobody else wants to do. Because if I really think about my career path, there's every situation, there's been a crisis situation. I don't always know what I'm going into. But then once I'm in it, you know, then it's like, you know, it's sometimes things that you don't anticipate. So there's this aspect, I believe, of kind of going deep and then going broad to what do you bring with you so that you can add value to whatever role you're taking. And then clearly we learn and grow in each one. And so each time we move on, you know, how do we bring something with us to help the team be better or to drive the results we need? But then how do you grow and develop and progress from there? So I believe everything always kind of works out. We don't always know why. And that's, I, I think, a part of the reflection and kind of constant openness. And I've also felt like there's a gold nugget everywhere. So it's, you know, attitude matters and it may not be what you thought, but it just there's always so much to be gained. Yeah, I really hear I, the the last thing you, you talked about, like how attitude matters, like mm-hmm. like because, you know, every situation, depending on how you look at it, you, you will experience it differently. So yeah. it could, you know, it could still be hard. But if you, like you said, have that attitude, have that mindset that there's always something you can learn, there's always a golden nugget, then you'll you'll be searching for that. And even even when at the hardest and darkest moments, you'll be like, there's there has to be something good here, you know, and that really changes the way you like even, you know, your attitude waking up in the morning instead of being like, oh, my gosh, like I have to do this all over again to like what could be there today? What what new challenge may I be able to work on? I had actually someone recently that I was talking to. He said he and his partner always says, instead of, I need to do this, they yeah. say, I get to, you know, That's I right. to do this. And I've also heard other people say, I, I choose to do this. That's Whichever right. way, you know, you take it, it's really, if, if you use a kind of that vocabulary of I get to, meaning really, I think what the essence of it is the gratitude that's in there. So I get to experience hard things. Right. I I choose to experience. I choose I choose to do this instead of saying like, oh, I have to do this. Like I need to do this or I should do this or someone told me to do this. <laughs> like there's all yeah. these different variations. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's always a choice and we can choose whether we want to be kind of a learner or a judger, you know, and that can impact how we see things and how we show up to others for sure. I love it. Yeah. So. The learner versus judger. So actually, in the intercultural work that we do, we call this one of the keys to being a good intercultural leader or adapting and navigating through different situations. Well, you have, you know, a lot of times no clue, right? And exactly the same wordings. We say we want you to be a cultural learner, 
mm-hmm. and not a cultural critique. So someone who keeps on critiquing say, oh, like we don't do it, you know, uh, we don't do this back home or this is the way that it should be. There's, you know, really no shoulds or this. It, it's just what it, it, it is what it is. And, you know, trying to learn and having that curiosity of like, why, why do, why are things like this? Right. I, I wonder, you know, why that person does certain things in certain ways instead of being like, I can't believe that person does this or like who, who, who yes. you know, things like that. And it's, it's really interesting because it's not, it's not like you have to spend months in leadership training development to, to, to change that. And this is almost like in, instantaneous, like how the world looks different. It's almost like you're seeing the world in black yeah. and white into color. At least that's how my own experience has been when things are really hard and, you know, really not wanting to, for example, going to work. It's like, <laughs> I'm like crying in the shower, like I don't want to go to being able to, even though like it's that initial first step, it's, it might be hard, but the more and more you practice, and keep on catching yourself like, oh, because a lot of this is internal dialogue. Absolutely. Actually, right. It's how you talk to yeah. yourself. And we are in control. And ultimately, it's what story are we telling ourselves and how we do that can, you know, maybe put us in a box and maybe not be so effective working with others when if we step out of the box and make sure we're watching kind of that self-talk. Mm. That then obviously impacts kind of the biases we have, which are natural, but it's just becoming aware of what they are. So we aren't impacting them in an unintended way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's so much to talk about this, but I have, but I have other things I want to ask you too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So one of the things that you mentioned is that's on your mind or keeps you up at night is around change. Yeah. So that change is constant. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Right now in the company, as we get ready to be a standalone, you know, we are having to ask questions we really haven't asked before around what does it take to be a standalone? How do we all elevate it? It's kind of like, congratulations, you've all been promoted. And so the things we need to think about as a standalone will be very different than being part of a large conglomerate where you have the benefit of of a, a large corporate. So there's a lot of change there. You know, with COVID, of course, we had a, a significant amount of change of how we work. And even organizationally right now, we just have so much change in a way and a volume that I would say, we, you know, kind of it's unprecedented. So I think being comfortable with change is important, you know, and being aware of what you can control and really focused on what you can control because there's a lot that we can't control. So just really knowing that it will all work out. But, you know, the amount of change going on right now at all levels, of course, we feel it at work, but from schools to kind of life changes to changes in policies that impact what we do, it's just remarkable. And then on top of that, the technology changes and AI and all of that, that has an impact. So it's really an amazing time and the pace of change will just increase. So the more we can think about how to make sure we're keeping our skills up to date, then the more we stay kind of on top of the news and just really thinking about what's important to us. I think it all comes together. So that's why I was thinking about change on that question. So, well, and, and it's so true. I was recently, I was at a conference and one of the speakers 
well, every speaker talks about change these days, but I would say one of the speakers really stood out for me was how she said, you know, change is not an event anymore. Just like you described mm-hmm. every every element of our lives, even if you don't so-called work for a, a global company, doesn't matter. There's always she took that at home and AI and technology, like every single aspect, there's change. Even I was actually just having have lunch with a uh, a friend to, uh, actually just today, and I was thinking we were at this like healthy food place, and the way they pay is you do the QR code and you pay with your phone, so that you know. And I was just thinking I can do this now because I actually am an active member of this society, but still. I would imagine if you're 80, 90 years old, like they probably, unless they have grandkids that are, you know, really good, good and kind and generous and teach them. But like, how do you, I would be like, I have no clue what it means, like how to pay. And, you know, really it affects your everyday life. By the way, yeah. I digress. But I mean, the point I'm trying to make is it's like you said, it's really, really so it's everywhere. You can't avoid this. And if you try to, that means you basically have to be a hermit and go up in the mountains, right? But then there's like uh, climate change. So even with that, even if you try to be isolated, you can't be isolated because you're impacted by like another thing that comes up is like the wildfires in Canada right now. I I, I have calls with people in New York and Chicago or clients Mm -hmm. and and my team members and, uh, you know, they're showing outside of the window. It's, It's all just smoke. So with that, Jaden, kind of going going back to uh, the speaker was talking about change that it's constant. And I loved what she actually said that it's change is not an event anymore because a, a lot of us who lived a long time, we always hear about change management and it used to be like treating change as an event. But the, the truth is it's more like continuous improvement. It's a every Absolutely. day, every moment Right. Because uh, if you if you think about it as like, oh, my God, I'm changing it drastically tomorrow, then it, it becomes a huge thing. But the truth is, because it's an everyday thing now, it is just more of like, how do you better? How do we do things a little differently? So that was something that kind of going back to the mindset, like how do you look at it really changes yeah. also how you respond to it and the perception of what change looks yeah. like. So. Well, that said, uh, what for you as, you know, head of HR and now becoming in a standalone company and all that, yeah, like growing up, like I love how you said you're all getting promoted. Um, That's a great way to put it. So what is the main challenge for you now from your perspective? Yeah. And I would say maybe aligned to the topic of change. Yeah. I think um, anytime you're at the front end of change, you really need to be very aware that there's a lag effect. So not everyone will be kind of where you are kind of whenever you roll it out or whenever it might be more, you know, public, whatever the change might be. So I think, you know, kind of being very conscious about, you know, what we call cap in terms of really making sure that you're being thoughtful about, you know, stakeholders, employees, you know, everyone, so that we just don't make assumptions. Anytime we start making assumptions, we have to be careful. So I think it's really making sure we're being thoughtful and reaching out to the right people at the right time and thinking about the impact any change has on, you know, all levels of the organization are critical. So that's where you don't want to get too far ahead or get too lost in the amount of change, but really being 
conscientious and thoughtful so that in the end, folks feel informed, engaged, hopefully inspired, depending on it, or just making sure that they understand. It sounds easy, but it can be a challenge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even when you think about like, what does thoughtful look like, right? For different levels, different areas, you know, one way for one group that might feel thoughtful, but one group, it might have the complete opposite effect. And I also, I hear a lot of times when we work with executive teams, just to your point that because they've been, you know, thinking they they've known about these changes way, way ahead of everyone else. So they've been in it for so long that by the time they, to your point, when you roll out, they've been in it for so long. It's like, and why don't often get this like kind of, uh, I always, always often see the gap. It's like, why don't they understand? Like, why don't they get this? And it was, it's like, well, it's because you've been in it for, like you said, for a long time. So you had the time to process this and That's do right. all of this. So, of course, it seems like, like, duh, like, why not? But for a lot of people, like you said, depending on where you are in the organization, it might be like, you know, they might have heard a little bit of it, but it hasn't really been front and center in their lives until like this might be day one. And it might be like a, a year, two year, three year difference of how long they've been, you know, immersed in, yeah. in this certain change. Yeah. And that's sometimes really hard to your point to realize. It. And, and I think that also kind of comes back to especially like the leaders today really needing to be connected to different groups within the organization. You know, that looks different for for everyone, but really, you know, just know, and I love what you said about not making assumptions, and that kind of goes with the diversity part too, is that have the assumption that they don't understand. Like, you know, that like you don't think alike. I think that has to be the very, very starting point. Like that's the given. And if they magically do think alike, that like that was just you're really, I say lucky, meaning that just happened, but that's not normal that they you do think differently. And the way you take things differently, if you can start from there, I think there's less confusion on both ends. Well, and even if we've shared information, so I know Amishi Da and Peak Mind, she, she said, you'll only remember 50% of what's said. So that's where, you know, kind of reinforcing or just you can't assume just because you've said that once people will remember because it's not natural. <laughs> like, oh, we're humans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially with how the stress, the busyness, yeah. the, the yeah. change, all that's going yeah. on to your point, consume. Like, I mean, if you've been bringing it back to like your everyday life in a much smaller way, I know, you know, if, if, if like I remember my childhood, like my mom, my parents will tell you to do something over and over and over again. Like, how much do you retain? Like, nothing. <laughs> and then when something happens, yeah. they're like, I told you so many times. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that wah, 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 what's what they were telling me. That's but until right. you really need it or something happens, you it just be, to your point, just because you communicate, just because I heard it doesn't mean I really retain that information or understood what they actually meant. Yeah. Well, and even on that, just, I mean, everything you've said, it, there's so many avenues to go down to because not we don't all consume information the same way. And so just because you've said it doesn't mean it's been received. And so whether it's, you know, visual, auditory, or some kinesthetic. We all have different triggers and different ways we process information. Yeah, so it's so true. So yeah. That, so that leads to, so leaders, you know, who really understand that, who really connect and don't 
push it one way, I think, is, you know, yeah. the leaders today and the ones that really take the effort to communicate whatever way that looks like, right? There's so many, so many ways to communicate these days. But what do you believe? I'm actually, what drives you to be a better leader? So I get what I've learned over time and certainly, you know, by trying different things as well as in the end, I believe to start with heart always. And you find that in many material from crucial conversation to kind of more recent books. But what I've seen and what I believe is it doesn't mean you don't have the tough discussion. But when you start with heart, the person knows if you respect them or not, no matter how hard the message is. And so by starting with heart, you're thinking about the person and you're showing consideration. It doesn't change what has to be communicated or said, but at least you show respect. And in the end, people know when you care or not. And so to me that I've seen it in many different ways and those that start with heart, you know, are much more effective and and the the receiver or the person on the other end, they appreciate it so much more and it's just so much more effective. And um, so I, it's a foundational belief I have for sure. Uh, that is so true. And I know sometimes people be like, what do you mean by starting with your heart? Like, I mean, you know, yeah. intellectually, you understand that. But then in 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 reality, like, what does that look like? And in, in like real action, like, what does that look like? Do you have some examples yeah. that you can share? Yeah, I think to me, what it means is you're thinking about the person. So, so if you think about intellectual diversity on whole brain thinking, if you know, there's there's folks that are very analytical and they're thinking about what problem we're trying to solve. They're logical. It's number based. There's process orientation and thinking about, you know, what have we done? What should we be doing? Certainly there's a relational and then there's big picture thinking and thinking always outside the box. And what I find is certainly if you think about a lot of engineering, you know, types, it's very logical and analytical. And sometimes that can be in conflict of thinking about the person or thinking about more of the relation because it's so logical. So for me, starting with art is thinking about the person and what's important to them and making sure that that's a consideration, no matter what your preference is. In the end, people care how they're treated, no matter what their preferences are. They know the difference. Yeah, that is so true. Sometimes when we do, when we work with certain leaders, they say, I want to know what to say. Like they, they want to know kind of like, what are the words? What are like, what are, what are things we shouldn't say, shouldn't do? And I, and especially because we work with leaders that, for example, English is not their first language mm-hmm. and we have like, you know, multicultural leaders and, and, and teams and, and all that. So a lot of times that, a lot of times that's where it comes from because they're, you know, not confident with the language part. And we, we always say that we, you know, I've, we are happy to share some examples that, that you can definitely use, but at the end of the day, you might, you, you can say the right thing, but if your heart like you said, is not in it, it doesn't actually matter how correct the words are or the grammar is, but really is important that even if it's all butchered up, but if you can really, you know, that heart and really, you know, that, that you're truly trying and trying to reach or try to connect, try to understand that person, try to listen to that person, that matters so much more than eloquently, you know, saying things. Because to your point, they can tell. They can always tell. Yeah. So I love that. And I know a lot of times, again, when we do kind of programs like that, like 
some people don't like that answer because because it, it, it doesn't give them like a like a clear roadmap what to do. But at the same time, I think that comes back to really leadership is about it's it's human development. Right. Like it, leaders are not just leaders at work you're, or leaders are not just good leaders. They're actually good humans. Or I would say I want I, I believe that the best leaders are good humans. Absolutely. So it's like, well, there's no like, you know, how exactly like, exact steps to that. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And, and I think going back to the more complex, the more the world is in a good way. So I, I use complex in a very positive way that we can actually, that we see the complexity because, you know, people haven't changed before. We've always been complex, but we just didn't see it or it wasn't as highlighted or celebrated before. You know, you, you there's no one right way to do things. Yeah, so therefore, it's not, sometimes we, we explain, well, it doesn't serve you if we tell you this is a way to do things. Yes. Yeah. And in that case, it's, yeah, it, it can be, it's about practice, right? To maybe start with the things that aren't so hard so that, you know, as you get your reps in, as we say, the more you try it, you know, and try different styles and see what works, you know, personalize it, right? Because people know when it's kind of not personal or it doesn't seem quite natural. So how do you make it more natural than by trying it different ways or, you know, experimenting could be another option. Yeah, I love that practice and experimenting. And also, I, I think, and that's where like, taking risk, not being, a, you know, afraid to to make mistakes or fail or once in a while might you might offend someone here and there. But going back to if you always keep on trying, keep on working on it, it gets better. And, you know, some of these international leaders who are afraid to do that are the ones that kind of get in like they have a really thick shell and it's really hard for them to get out of the shell and, you know, make mistakes here and there and kind of make fun of themselves and don't take themselves too seriously. Right. So, uh, yeah, I love I love that practice and personalizing. I guess that's two P's. Uh, that sounds like a, a good <laughs> three C's, two P's, four. four it, right. yeah. yeah. And it could even go back to what story are they telling themselves about what they can and cannot do? So how to uh, change the narrative. So true. I love that. Yes. What P can that be? Perspective? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, thank you so much. I, you know, we're really, unfortunately, com- uh, coming to the end of our time together. Uh, there's so much more. I feel like we can keep on going different, you know, p- paths down um, and we can keep on going. So I would love, love to invite you back to continue this conversation if, if you're open to it. But for today, I have just two more questions for you. The last one is, is there anything else that we didn't touch upon today that you would like to share before we wrap up? Linda Zomi, I'm delighted to be here. I'm so honored. So thank you again. I would say maybe as we wrap, you know, for me, from a personal perspective, it's always maybe just to reiterate, so important to know what's important to you so that as you make decisions, you can be true to yourself and kind of be able to live with the decisions you make. And then as we wrap here, you know, just to put a plug in for the company, I feel like GE has been a fantastic place to work. I believe anything that's been possible in this company. And there's so many exciting opportunities as we think about GE Aerospace being on their own or GE Renova. 
and GE Healthcare recently kind of split off. So our opportunities are posted on jobs.gecareers.com. So if there's any interest, certainly take a look. It's an exciting time across uh, the company and, and uh, you know, I'm excited to be here to be part of it. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And for the listeners, we will we will definitely put the link in the show notes. So no worries. You don't have to write it down. And then one of my mentors said that change is is chance because really this is a time, right? There's so many opportunities. And this kind of goes back to the attitude. If you see it that way, there's a lot of chances, then you can find them. But if you don't look for them, you can't see them. So I love it. So yeah, everyone flock to the to the website, look for opportunities. And I've met so many people who worked at GE. You have a very strong kind of alum, alumni group that you keep uh, you keep connected and do amazing things out in the world. So love that. And then very last question, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Thanks, Nizomi. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, so happy to connect on LinkedIn and certainly happy to help. And if there's questions, I'd be delighted. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. And soon, I, you know, you are always so graceful and so, so generous and so kind in the way that you show up. And I just really enjoyed this conversation and so much wisdom. And what you said about really being true to yourself, I, I mean, it's the most simplest thing, yet the hardest thing to do. And I, I loved about your, you know, 10 year cycle of soul searching. And I think that's exactly actually our logo is a Chinese character that represents the way. And there's a lot of reasons that, but kind of what related to what you shared, because there's no ending, right? You keep on reinventing, you keep on evolving. And that soul searching, that searching is the way. And that's how you evolve and that's how you grow. So, yeah, I immediately resonated to what you said and really felt feel that connection with you and would, yeah, love to continue to to have this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. And yeah. So for everyone who's listening, yeah, check out the show notes, check out Suing's LinkedIn uh, page. And if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out to her. And if you have questions for us, feel free to reach out to us as well. Thank you so much for joining and listening to this episode. Take this opportunity to explore your own boundaryless leadership. Thank you for listening to Boundaryless Leadership with Nozomi Morgan. Be sure to check the show notes for information regarding today's guest and to email Nozomi directly. Join us next week for another episode.